Yes, the recording is in progress. So now what we want to talk about tonight, what I want to speak to you tonight is about, the title of tonight is uh, Imposing Oneself. And you think about opposing yourself. What is, what is it to oppose your own self? You understand what it is when somebody else opposes you or comes, or, or, or comes against you, but we never think that we ourselves sometimes oppose ourselves. And Paul talked about this. Paul talked about those that oppose themselves and how he had to reprove them, how he had to correct them and stop them from doing it because they were actually imposing things that God wanted to do. And you say, why would anybody want to do that? That just sounds crazy. That almost sounds like self-sabotage. That almost sounds like you just, you know, just uh, messing up something that God wants to do in your life. And we, we're going to explore that tonight. We're going to see what that is. Because um, a lot of times I believe we live in a culture that has given the devil so much. The Bible says in Psalms 34, he says, magnify the Lord with me this is david speaking and let us exalt his name together david was talking about making the god who is bigger than everything big in your life and how we make him big in our life is by boasting magnifying him because you think about how can i make something that's already big magnified well i can't but i can make him magnified and big in my life by my praise by my worship by how i speak about him and so that's the world that we live in has done that for the enemy the enemy is a cre uh, the devil is a created being he's a created being that has rebelled against the lord but in this world that we live in they have made him basically god's equal when you ask some people when you take a consensus and you ask people in church you know I've asked people sometimes, I said, is the devil, do you think the devil's God's equal? And sometimes you'll be surprised. They'll say, yeah, you know, you know, or sometimes they'll say no, but their actions say different. Because why? The world we live in has pumped him so big. They, it, when you look for all the demonic, scary movies, they have made him so big they've made him like a blowfish you ever see those blowfish the blowfish blows themselves up makes himself seem big so it what it intimidates it intimidates people and that's what's happening with the enemy the enemy has been blown up by our culture that we live in blown up so much so that you would think that the devil is ever present you would think that he's all powerful you would think that he knows everything when that's not true at all. That is not true at all. Does that make sense to you guys? When you look at our culture and how they magnify him, you would think he, he, he can hear your thoughts, and that's not true. He can't. He is very limited in what he can do. The Bible talks about him roaming to and fro. When the Lord, in the book of Job, the Bible says that the Lord called uh, a council in the heavens, called a council. And, he, and the devil came and he said, where have you been? He says, I've been roaming to and fro. You never hear uh, uh, the, that term linked to God because the Lord don't roam. He hovers. He moves over everything. If God is here with us on this Zoom call, he is around the world uh, in, in China or he's on. He's in Australia. He can be everywhere at all times that's just who he is because he's ever present the enemy would have to get there 
So what? why am I saying that? I'm saying this for a reason. I'm laying some groundwork for a reason because I believe our culture has given the enemy such credit and such credit for things that he is not doing that actually your 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 act of worship that's what it really is or your hand saying or giving him credit for something he's not done is actually welcomed him in a situation yes there are demonic spirits yes there are there but again they don't operate like god does god is the only one that is ever present meaning in other words god can help me here in long beach he can help sharon over in boyle heights and he can help cindy out where she is He's with all three of us where we are at any given moment, but the enemy is not. Are you, does that make sense? I hope it does because I'm laying some groundwork because we need to understand this. I don't know if you remember this guy. There was this guy named Billy uh, Dio Moody or Billy Sunday. And what he said was he made this joke. And I think it was one of the, the first Christian dad jokes ever. He said there was the devil... Uh, he said he walked up to a church one day, and I think this is Billy Sunday, said he walked up to a church one day, and he saw the devil sitting on the, door, the steps of the church, and he was crying. And he said, what are you crying about? And, he, and the devil turned to him and said, everybody in there is blaming me for everything. What he was saying, what Billy Sunday was saying was that the saints of God has got into this space where they blame everything on the enemy I'm not telling you that the enemy is not doesn't have an agenda I'm not telling you the enemy is not doesn't have his uh his, his spirits on assignment but what I am telling you is that he cannot be everywhere at all times what has happened is is that the world has been convinced that the devil made me do it that when Adam and Eve partook of the of the forbidden fruit and they gained knowledge of good and evil. When they gained knowledge of good and evil, the Bible says they gained knowledge. All of a sudden, what they did not know, they know every conceivable way to construct wicked things. The Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? So what does that say? that what mankind did what mankind is doing is 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 evil by himself that's why we needed a savior we needed a savior to save us it wasn't just saving us from the enemy it was saving us from the mistake that was made it was saving us from ourselves are you hearing what i'm saying we like to believe that it's nice to just blame it on the enemy oh he did it he did it and i'm not saying Again, that he doesn't have an agenda, but we do live in a fallen world. We have to keep in mind that we live in a fallen world and, and God is going to set the record straight when he comes back. But we can overcome in this same fallen world. And so we need to understand that, that in other words, we got to take responsibility for what is happening in our lives meaning what the things that are done and i and i want i want you to um what are you saying easier for him to get us to yeah yeah it is it is and so what the enemy has done is basically convinced everybody that it's him 
that it's, you know, everybody is convinced it's him. And we live in a world right now where everybody would blame other people. Not generalizing anybody's struggle, but everybody has been through something from their youth. But what determines you how you get out of that is you. You determine how you get out of that. If you choose to stay, you're going to stay. So that means if you choose not to meet Jesus, you choose not to surrender and give him your life to help, to allow him to aid you in to help you get out of that, then you're going to stay where you are. But you know, those people would blame mama and daddy and this person and that person and that person is all their fault. It's all their fault. And we got to, what I'm saying to you is that we have to take responsibility for what we have done, what is happening in our lives. And it isn't always the devil made me do it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says this, when man was, when man was constructed by God, the Bible says this in the beginning, you know, God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. When you think of the image and likeness of God, what are you looking at? You're looking at the father's son and the spirit. What working as what one are you hearing what I'm saying? Working as one. When you look at an egg in a store, you see the shell, the yolk, and and the in the in the white part. That's a whole egg. Are you you're hearing what I'm saying? When when we were made, we were made in oneness just like them. That means our spirit, soul, and body worked as one. Our conscious, subconscious, and unconscious subconscious mind worked in oneness. Do you don't ever hear anywhere where Jesus is opposing anything that the father's saying, or you never read anywhere that the Holy Spirit says, I don't like what the father and son is doing. We're not doing that. You don't ever hear the father say, don't pay attention to them. I'm the boss. It's about what I say. You never hear that. But where have you heard that? You've heard that in Greek mythology. Greek mythology's gods, a lot of their gods, they got a lot of gods for different reasons, and you always hear them having different agendas against each other. Even Roman, even Roman uh, mythology, their gods all have different agendas, and they all don't work on the same page. But our God system, our Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit works as one. So man was made in oneness. Man moved and breathed in oneness. He was in full union in himself as an expression, as a, as a representation of who? Yahweh, who was full in union. So when Christ Jesus came to bring us back, what is he bringing us back into? He's bringing us back into union with him. Oneness back into him. So what does that say? That our spirit, soul, and body, because of the fall, was fragmented. Can I tell you how? Let me, let's go. Let's go to Psalms. Let's go to uh, Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. This is what the Lord is saying in Isaiah 61. And it's a famous scripture. Everybody knows Isaiah 61 says this. And the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And because the Lord has anointed me. Uh -uh. I don't know. If, are you guys being kicked off? I hope you guys are not being kicked off. Okay. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And has anointed me to preach good tidings to who? To the poor. He has sent me to what? Heal the broken heart. 
He has sent him. The Lord, the, the, the spirit of the Lord has come upon Jesus to what? For him to preach and teach the word of God to who? To them that are poor in spirit. To be fragmented, to be broken, to be uh, to oppose yourself is all part of the poverty mindset. The poverty mindset came into play when man fell from grace. When man fell from grace, the poverty mindset came into play. And so that's why this, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord has, has, has come upon me, is resting upon me to give man the gospel, to give man the word of life, that the word of life is the answer for the poverty spirit. The Bible says in Romans uh, 12, 2, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. How is your mind renewed? Your mind is renewed when you, what? Have the gospel preached, taught to where? Your areas where you are poor. And so that's what, that's what you're doing. You're allowing the gospel to teach you. You're allowing uh, the word of God to be preached to you. The Bible says, how can they hear unless they have a preacher? How can they learn unless they have a teacher? And so you need the gospel preached and taught to you. Why? Because the Bible says faith coming by hearing and hearing, but what? By the word of God. So the word of God carries faith. It carries hope. The word of God carries everything, carries deliverance, carries provision, carries hope. It carries love. It carries peace. It carries everything that God is. The word carries that. And when the word is taught, to you when the word is preached to you that is being released to you your faith is being built because if the word is being revealed to you it's going to release what you need to elevate you so when you receive faith from the word it elevates you and then gives you a, a deeper authority in 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 what you learn is that does that make sense and so and so that's why we need it that's how true transformation happens when we allow the word to what? Give us a different perspective, give us a different mindset, give us a different outlook on the way life is. It's the word's job is to what? Is to transform us and bring us back into union. And that same mindset, man had the same mindset as God in the beginning. When you look in the beginning, man had the same mindset. The man, the man had such the same mindset of God that God says, Son, now I'm going to allow you to name the animals. Now I'm going to allow you to uh, name the herbs. I'm going to allow you to name all these things here. He allowed him to do that. Why, how did he allow him to do it? Because he made him in his image and his likeness. Does that make sense? And so he, because he made him that way and man was walking in such union, he was able to what? To do the things that God had allowed him to do. Now, when you look at where we are today, that's where the word of God is, is, is bringing us back to that space again. He's bringing us back to union in him. And so that's why the gospel needs to be preached to them that are poor in spirit, because the Bible says he became poor, that we would be rich in him. So the opposite of the poverty mindset is abundance. We are to operate in abundance because our God is abundant. The Bible says he's able to do all things. He's able to do everything abundantly, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Even uh, the, the very thing that he does, he doesn't just do just thing. He doesn't just do what you need. He goes over the top. He goes, he does more than what you need because that's who he is. So the abundance, wealth is what we're called to. Wealth is our inheritance. And I'm not preaching false prosperity. I'm not preaching that's, that's uh, prosperity. 
false prosperity is us centered. True wealth, true prosperity of God is Jesus centered because it is he like in Deuteronomy 8.18 says it is he that gave us the ability to get wealth. It is he that has given us the ability to get wealth. How? Because he gives us strategy, gives us ideas, he gives us innovative things, he gives us new things to create. And out of that, we're able to obtain wealth. And when you think of wealth, wealth isn't just finances. Wealth is health, uh, well-being in the spirit, well-being in your in your soul, well-being in your body, well-being with your family. Uh, your family is saved. They're doing healthy. They're doing well. When you think of wealth, wealth isn't just monetary, and and it isn't just what you can have a lot of land. That's wealth. You can own a lot of the the minerals. That's wealth. Wealth is encompassed so much more than just the monetary and people get hung up on that. And that's what we're called to. We're called to, to be, to, to be in the abundant mindset, to walk in wealth. We have an inheritance in him. The God that we serve owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The God that we serve, uh, owns all the silver and gold. The Bible says all these things are his. He is such, he is so, he is so extravagant and he is so wealthy. The Bible says that the earth, the heavens are, are, are the Lord's, but the earth have he given to us. He gave the earth to us. I don't know what father, you know, is giving out a whole planet to his people. <laughs> you know, when you think of inheritance, you know, most of us inherit, you know, a few thousand. Or if you, you know, you're one of the the, the, the global elites and you, you inherit a, a bunch of millions. But, you know, our father gave us the earth. <laughs> he said the earth have he given to the children of men. He's given it to us to inherit it, to allow us to bring the kingdom here. And so when you get a picture of that, poverty is not it. And so that's why the gospel needs to be preached because our mindset needs to be elevated. When your mindset is elevated, you see yourself in a different way. You view yourself in a whole different light. You don't see yourself from less than. The mindset of poverty mindset is I'm not good enough. Oh, I'll never achieve this. I'll never get this. I'll never come into this. That's the poverty mindset. When, when the mindset of God says I can do all things, who Christ has strengthens me, that that uh, that God blesses every wherever my feet tread, the Lord is blessing. He said He'll give me. Those are the things that when you look at the promises of God, all those things speak of the goodness of God being manifested on our on our behalf. And so that's why the gospel needed to be preached taught to us to shift our thinking, to transform our minds, to bring us back into right standing with the Lord, but not just right standing, right mindset. Because God Father, Son, and Spirit, the Godhead, all thinks a certain way. And man used to think like them. But because of sin, that eroded away. That eroded away. And so man now is through Christ Jesus is reconciled unto God as what? Royalty unto him. We are royalty. You ought to tell the ground that you walk on that your family, your bloodline is royal. And every time you, I walk on the ground, let the earth recognize my footstep and let it recognize my footstep to be royal. Because you are a royal priesthood. You come from the most high God. You are an ambassador. You are a dominion steward. That's who you are. And God, if you allow the word, if you fellowship in the word, if you spend time in the word, the word will transform you. The word will transform you back to your place in God. It'll transform you. And so that's one of the things uh, that God wants to do when he came, when the spirit of the Lord came, he wanted to do that. The second thing that we're really going to deal with tonight is mending the broken heart. 
in some translations, it says that he, he called the fragmented pieces back together or or them that the pieces that were scattered, he brought wholeness. Or when you take communion, the body, the portion, our portion is healing, wholeness, oneness with him. We are called back into oneness. We're called back into wholeness. We're called back into healing. Our portion is not sickness. Our portion is not brokenness. Our portion is not uh, uh, um, destitute and desperation. That's not our. That's not our portion. That's not what God has called us to, to do and to be. Does that make sense? And so when he said, I come through the spirit of the Lord, Isaiah 61, to mend the broken heart. He is coming to mend the most important part of you, the, the heart. And the heart is in two components. It's the, it's the mind and the heart. Um, and so um, what we want to do is we want to explore that tonight. Let's look at uh, Hebrews 8 and 10. Hebrews 8 and 10 says this about the heart, about God mending the broken heart. Hebrew, Hebrews 8 and 10. Hebrews 8 and 10. Hebrews, see, I, see, I told you the Lord loves coffee because he likes the Hebrew. <laughs> I know that's a bad joke. All right. Hebrews 8 and 10, it says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And this covenant isn't just for the house of Israel, but it's for us too. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds, in their minds. And he will write them where? In their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. He says here, he says, I will put my law where? In their, in their mind. And I will write it in their hearts. What what's happening there? Sounds like there's that because you hear the mind and the heart are the same. They are, but they're two places. It says I'm going to write it. I'm going to put it here, but it's going to be engraved. It's going to be written here, and we're going to explore what that means or what that looks like. Amen. Let's check that out. Let's go ahead and check that out. So when we think of that scripture and we think of God writing his word, the commandments on putting them in our minds and then writing them in our hearts. We're going to deal with the first part of the heart is the, is the mind, the reception center. What is the reception center? The mind. This is where you receive all information, whether you hear it or whether you're seeing it just right now, even on the zoom call, you are hearing every word that's coming out of my mouth into your ears. You're even seeing, you're even taking information of my face. All that's going into your mind, your receptive center, your reception center. This is where everything, where goes. Before it can go here, it comes here first. It comes to the mind first, then it goes here. So the Lord says, I will put my law in their minds. But it's not to stay there. It's to what? Be written on their hearts. And I'll tell you why it's important that it gets to your heart. But we're going to deal with the mind first. And so where all information and seeds are received, processed, stored for the purpose to be planted. So when you think of uh, teaching, when you think of teaching, when you think of information, there are seeds being planted. There are seeds being received for the purpose to, to process, to store, uh, for the purpose to plant it. And so when you think about receiving... In order for you to believe something, 
you got to first receive it first, right? The Bible, Romans 10, 9 says this, confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. And what you confess is what you are, what you believe and what you believe is what you receive. And so if I'm, if I'm confessing Christ Jesus, and if I'm confessing that he died on the cross and he, he shed his blood for my life, then what I'm confessing, if I receive that, then I'm only going to confess what I've received and it's not, and I believe it to be true. And so, um, um, somebody, yeah, there we go. I, I muted you. Um, and so, so that's what it is. You, you, when you're confessing something and you confess it with such conviction, you believe it to be true. Now, some people confess things with head knowledge. That's why Jesus, that's why the, uh, Yahweh said this in the Old Testament. He says, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You honor me with your lips, meaning what you what you're saying, you you're speaking from here, but it isn't here because I sense no conviction. I sense no alignment. I can tell that really in your heart, you oppose me in your heart. You want to do another thing with your mouth. You're saying this, but in your heart, you have a total different agenda. So if we oppose God, is it too far-fetched to believe that we can oppose ourselves, that we can fight against ourselves? We think that our biggest fight is the enemy. Your biggest fight is you. Yes, you are the biggest fight that you're going to have. Why? Because you have a nature that doesn't want to submit. But because of what Jesus did, you have authority to bring that under subjection. You could not do it before Christ gave himself, but now that we have this hope, this blessed hope in him, you can. And so we're gonna explore more. So when you think about receiving things, we receive them things first and we store them, we got them here, we receive it. So what I'm being said, what's being said to you right now, you are receiving it here. But what will determine it gets here is whether you really accept or, or, or what's being received, is it going through the filters of your eyes and your ears? Are they clean? Because sometimes some of our filters need to be really clean. Have you ever argued with somebody or ever tried to explain somebody was arguing with you and they, they picked certain words out of what you were saying to support what they were, what, what they were doing or what they would believe to be true. And you're like, wait, I didn't say that. This is what I said. But they picked out words because why? It's the filter that they're receiving all of this data. Seeds and information are going through that filter. And if that filter is not clean, guess what? They're going to grab at things that what? Support what they believe. So that's why when you get in an argument with a person and you're trying to share and trying to explain to them what's going on and they're not receiving what you're saying, they're, they're picking out bits and pieces of what you're saying because those things support what they believe to be true. That's a person that needs healing. That's a person that needs, that's a broken individual. And so um, that's a person's lens, their, 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 their filter needs to be clean. That's why we need uh, the word. The Bible says, uh, Jesus said, wash yourself with truth. What is truth? The word. The word, wash you. Even Peter, Jesus tells Peter, you have been washed in what? The word. 
The word is there. It's living water. It's detergent to what? Wash and cleanse and clean these filters. Clean these filters so that when you receive seeds of life, when you receive data, you know how to receive it properly. And you're not uh, assuming or you're not being presumptuous or you're not uh, misinterpreting things that, that are spoken clearly to you. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so that's another way too. So when you think about receiving it, and when you think about after you receive it, you process it. The question I have for you is as you are processing things that you are hearing, what are you weighing it up against? You can only weigh it up against two things. It's either human wisdom or the wisdom of God. James 3 says this, that the wisdom of this world is essential. Let's go to James. Let's read what James says. You know, it's always good to just go to James and ask James what James is saying. Because James can tell you better than I can. And that's a that's another bad joke. <laughs> We're going to ask our brother James. And the Bible says here in uh, James chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, hmm, in your heart, and do not do not boast and lie against truth the wisdom this wisdom does not descend from above but this wisdom is earthly sensual demonic for where envy and self-seeking exists confusion and evil things are there but the wisdom that comes from above is pure so god's wisdom is pure it's peaceful it's gentle it's will it's willing to yield it's full of mercy it's full of fruit it's without partiality it's without hypocrisy that's the wisdom of god so the question is when you are processing what you are receiving what are you processing it up against is it processing being processed up against the the word uh the the world's wisdom or is it processing up against the word of god that's one of the ways when the Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind cannot be renewed if you have no word. If you are not fellowshipping in the word, your mind cannot be renewed. And if, and if you're trying to process things properly with the wisdom of God, if you have no word in you, then you are processing what you are seeing based on worldly wisdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's a dangerous place. Because you can misunderstand. Here's the thing. We as humans know what we know. But we don't know what God knows. And that's why you need the word in you. And even when we have the word in us, we constantly are asking, Lord, reveal your word to me. Make it plain to me so I can understand what you know. That's what Moses asked. Lord, show me your way. Show me more of who you are. I want to know you more. I've seen you and I don't still know you. I want to know you more. There's more of God. The Bible, Jesus said this uh, in the book of James, it says this. He says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God because he gives to all men freely. So God doesn't withhold anything. He gives wisdom freely. He wants you to get this. And he says, in all thy getting, get an understanding. He wants you to be able to process things properly. Because why? Before the fall, you were able to process everything appropriately. Because why? Just as he was one, you were made in that same oneness. Amen? And that's what he's bringing you back to. And the word of God is aiding us in this, but you have to fellowship 
in the word. That mind needs to be renewed and it's not going to be renewed by magic. It's going to be renewed by the fellowshipping in the word. What is the word? The Bible says the word is like fire. It burns the impurities. The word is like a hammer. It's smashing the hardened and stubborn areas. You need the combination of that to break up the, uh, the fallow ground that's in your heart so that you can receive those seeds. And the word is also water, because sometimes when you are gardening and you're breaking up that fallow ground, what are you doing? You're, you have to water that ground up so it can become manageable, so that you can actually move that dirt and turn it over. That's what the word does. The word does that so that what? That which you have received and processed can now be stored for the purpose to what? Be planted. Be planted. If it doesn't meet resistance. You mean, what, what do you mean by resistance? Well, a lot of times people struggle with uh, hearing the word. And they know that that word is true. But when it comes in here, they can't seem to grasp it. Why? Because there's something there in you that it's in its place. What are what's in its place? A core value that you believe to be true. And a lot of those core values that we receive that are not good are usually lies that we've come to believe and it's become a core value. And so when the word comes in to settle in our hearts, it can't settle. Why? Because something else is in its place. And so there's this battle, this frustration comes and you just feel like, why can't I just believe the word? Or maybe I just need somebody to pray over my mind. Maybe I need somebody to lay hands on me. And what you really need to do is find out through the Holy Spirit what that lie is. What is that? What is that lie? What is that core thing that you believe to be true? So that you can come out of agreement with it. So that you can actually receive the truth. A lot of times messages go in, a lot of things go in, and sometimes it meets the resistance because it's contrary to what you already believe to be true. So if what you believe to be true is contrary to the word of God that you are hearing, the word of God that's being taught to you, being preached to you, you're not going to agree with it. There's going to be an all-out war. There's going to be, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be angry. You're going to find yourself struggling with your faith because why? The word that you need to hear, the revelation you need to hear, the word that's being revealed to you that has the faith you need, you can't receive that faith because you won't let go of this thing here that you believe to be true too you're trying to say this is good and that's good too and you know you gotta you gotta divorce that one and embrace this one the bible says as many as embrace the lord gave he the power to become the sons of god you cannot halfway embrace god and expect to see receive sonship people did that people embraced him as mary and joseph's son and all they got was the next door neighbor a lot of them uh, embraced him as what? A prophet. And what? They got the word of the Lord. A lot of them embraced him as this guy down the street. Whatever you embraced him, that's what you receive. But as many as embraced him as the Messiah, as the anointed one, as the choice chosen one, he in exchange gave them sonship. They received what they were supposed to get from him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when you don't embrace something, Fully, you're not going to get what you're supposed to get out of it because why? Something else is in its place. And that's what I mean by meeting resistance. 
That's what I mean by when those impose themselves, people act contrary to the word. And we're going to look at some examples of what it is to oppose yourself. It is, a, it is an interesting thought because a lot of times we, we want to, we want people, people, if, if there's no discernment, a lot of times you're discerning and your discernment is wrong because you're, you, you're supposed to be able to discern what's flesh, what's spirit, Holy Spirit, and what's the devil. And a lot of times people are discerning, uh, this is demonic, this is demonic, that is demonic, when it's really the flesh. And the Bible says you can't cast out the flesh. You got to mortify the deeds of the flesh. You got to crucify the flesh. You got to bring that flesh, what? Under subjection. You cannot cast out flesh. And that's why when they've prayed for you and they cast out demon, come out. I remember um, this individual uh, one night was in, um, was in a meeting we were doing. And in this meeting, this young lady was in the back and she just, cried out i can't take it anymore and she screamed at the top of her lungs and i got back there to try to aid her but when i got there somebody else was already there and they were laying hands on her and they were telling her come out come out come out they were telling the demon to come out and i'm looking at them and i'm like okay it's not a devil that's not a devil something in my spirit knew that was not demonic this girl was having a moment and so when the person finally stopped trying to cast out something that was not there I just grabbed her and I held her and when I grabbed her like a father would grab a daughter and hold her she just wept and she calmed down she calmed down and then she asked me at later she said why was he trying to cast the devil out of me I didn't have a devil in me I'm just I'm just tired I'm just wore out. And I just told her, I said, I said, honey, you know, sometimes we're humans, we miss it. You know, it just means his discernment needs to be a little bit better. You know, and that was one of the things that I used to pray when I was when I first got saved. I used to pray, God, help me to discern. Give me wisdom, knowledge and understanding. Help me to discern what's flesh, what's God and what's the devil. I used to pray that all the time as one of my 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 prayers, my early prayers. I used to pray over myself just out of my mouth naturally. I believe it was the Holy Spirit that taught me to pray that because I no one taught me to ask for that. I just in my prayer every day, I would ask for wisdom, knowledge and understanding. I would ask to help me to be able to discern what's flesh, what's God and what's the devil. I wanted to be able to discern that. That was something I kept praying and and to to um, and uh, just a, just a, a blessing of the Lord. God has allowed me to do that. And I still ask for more. I don't I haven't arrived. I haven't achieved anything. Uh, I'm still want my discernment to be just like Jesus. I want the discernment of Jesus because he was not fooled by anything. He saw everything. He perceived everything. That's how we need to operate like Jesus did. And Jesus said, we can do it like him and even greater. Amen. Does that make sense? And so a lot of times it's the flesh. It's, it's the flesh. So what does that say? Your flesh has a voice. It has a spirit. It has a voice. The spirit of the flesh has a voice. And it could sound like God and talk you into some madness and you think it was the Lord and it was not the Lord, it was your flesh. Wow. That's your flesh opposing what? God. The Bible describes the flesh in Romans 8, 
it says that the flesh, let's go to Romans 8. Let's see what Romans says about the flesh. Amen. We've already talked to James and we understand that wisdom, uh, God, there's godly wisdom and there's ugly and there's uh, the demonic wisdom. Let's go to, let's go to Romans and let's see what Romans says about the flesh, the flesh that you and I got. Amen. I hope you guys are getting this. This is really good. I, I'm, I'm enjoying this because as I was putting this together, it was in a conversation with a friend that I was having and she was having some of these challenges. I wish she was on here tonight because she was having some challenges and I just shared a few things that came out of my, out of my spirit. And I said, wow, I think I need to do a lesson about this because um, I think people really struggle with this and they, and a lot of times they think it's which they think it's this they think it's that and i'm not saying witchcraft doesn't exist i'm not saying that the devil's not doing anything hear me i am not saying that but i'm telling you that's why i laid the groundwork earlier if some of you that got on later you may have to go back and look at the video i laid the groundwork earlier to help you understand the devil is all not he's not all knowing he's not all he's not all powerful and he's not everywhere he roams to and fro so if and so if that be the case and yes to answer some of those that are going to look at the video, yes, there are demon spirits that work for him. But again, they are not all powerful. They are not all knowing. And they are what? They are not everywhere. So how do they gather? They gather information through familiar spirits. That's how they gather information. Monitoring familiar spirits. They gather information through that way. And um, we'll have to talk more about that later. Or I'll just, I'll just say this. Well, how does that work? It works like a network. Whatever information they gather from a, from a familiar spirit, it's passed on to another demonic spirit. It works as a network. They pass it on, pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. So they know what, how to trip you up. Good example of this happening is when Jesus, after Jesus dealt with the enemy, 40 days and 40 nights, the devil comes to try to tempt him three times and he failed. How did the devil, how did the devil engage Jesus after that? He engaged him through what? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. What would they do? They would come and try to see how they can what? Trap Jesus. They would ask him questions. They would pose um, uh, certain scenarios and situations. They were always trying to find a way how they could what? Trap him. That's what the enemy does. He uses familiar spirits. He uses things that are familiar to you to what? Figure out what you like, what you don't like, so he can what? Trap you. That's how a monitoring familiar spirit works to gather data on you. But God doesn't have to do it that way. God knows all things because he's everywhere at every time and every place. And he doesn't have to do it that way. He sees it all from the beginning and the end. That's why his name is Alpha and Omega. His name is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And he's all in between. Amen. That's the God we serve. So he is not limited in his capacity to know what he should know. But the devil is. So if that be true, then a lot of times what we're dealing with is ourselves. And I'll say that again, just in case you didn't hear it. If the devil isn't everywhere, then a lot of times it isn't him. It's you. You need to put you under subjection through the power of the Holy Spirit. You've been given that grace. Jesus put his body under subjection. He lived a certain type of life so that we could live that life in him. Amen. Let's read what Romans chapter uh, eight, verse five says this. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. So people that are fleshly carnal minded. And when he says flesh, it means uh, un the unsay, the, un the, uh, the, the, the sinful nature, the, the, the flesh, that flesh that wants to, to do whatever it wants to do. 
And, and um, the spiritual mind is always willing to serve God, but the flesh is not. So the fleshly mind is always thinking about how to serve itself, how to do what it wants to do, how to please itself. It does not want to please God. Let's keep going. It says here, it says, but those who live of the spirit, the things of the spirit, uh, the things of the spiritual do. For to be carnally minded is death. That's why the Bible said the way that seemeth right to a man, the end thereof is destruction or death. Because why? The way of a man is fleshly, is the fleshly aspect, is that flesh nature wanting to take you the way it wants. So it wants to tell God, oh, I know better. I know better than you. That's what the flesh is telling God. I know better than you. I want to do it this way. But it says here, the spirit minds is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity that word enmity means deep hatred that's what enmity means against god so the carnal mind is in deep hatred against god it hates god it does not want to be subject to god so anybody trying to please god in the flesh you are wasting your time matter of fact you you god won't even respond to you why because your flesh does not want to please god you cannot please God. That is like doing what Cain did, offering the Lord some fruit from the ground that was cursed instead of doing what Abel did and offering a lamb, the first lamb uh, without spot, wrinkle, blemish, representing Christ, offering blood unto him. He did what he wanted to do and he was not received. Do you think if you do what you want, you're going to be received? No, no, sir, you will not. No, ma'am, you will not. You will be refused. Because you are walking in disobedience. You are walking in the way of Cain. And the Bible says this. says that carnal mind is uh, enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's what Romans says about that. So you cannot please God in your flesh. It does not want to. So when your flesh, so when you think of a believer, if he, if the believer is a very carnal believer, because you have carnal believers, they have believed enough to get saved and have the, uh, the salvation experience, but they have not done nothing else. Everything has been about just living the good life, uh, the prosperity gospel that is human centered and not learning how to walk like Jesus did. And so they're very carnal, very, very carnal. And so a lot of times, a lot of the, the messages of, 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 of that which comes from the Bible, a lot of times the Bible's uh, message will offend them. It'll cause them to be offended because why? They are, they, there's a, in this day and age we live in, there's, there's, there's a different Jesus being preached. It's a Jesus that accepts everybody for who they are but no one has to change. He's almost like a hotel that accommodates everything. When the suffering Messiah loves everybody and gave himself for everybody, but it was not for you to stay in the present state that you were in. It was for you to come to the realization of who you truly are and be restored back to God's original intent, which is the function in total union like he did amen that's what he came for and that's why when you are receiving 
in your mind receiving the word receiving information if it is met by anything that is contrary there is the resistance that it will be the difference of that being planted in your heart so we we looked at the uh hebrews 8 said this it said that that the lord wanted to put the law his law in their minds that's the recepting meaning he would tell you the law like he did on the day on mount sinai when he brought them up there and moses read the law to them that was the law being put in their minds it was being read to them now the Lord says, but I will write it on your heart. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about this new day where the Lord said it's not just going to be here because that's what it was in the Old Testament. It got here, but it never got here. That's why they stay sinful. That's why they were constantly breaking the law over and over. That's why they were always opposing not only God, but they were opposing themselves. They wanted to do what God said. But then down here wanted to do something else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How people will oppose one and how they will oppose themselves. They want to do it here. That's Paul said in, in uh, Romans chapter eight. He said, the thing that I shouldn't do, I do. The thing that I, I, he said, the thing that I shouldn't do, I do. And the thing that I should do, I don't do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's talking about a man who opposed himself. He's in this constant battle. I should do this, but I don't. I shouldn't do that, but I do. And it's, I don't want to do that, but I'm doing it. I know that I should do this, but I don't want to do it. That's not union. That's not your portion. That is the, that's the curse of the fall. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's the curse of the fall. And so the biggest struggle that a believer has is with his nature. Him surrendering himself unto the Lord, bringing his flesh under subjection, mortify the deeds of the flesh, taking every thought captive and saying, no, I am not going to think that. You are not going to have. This is God's house. This is where the Holy Spirit lives. This is his house. That thought is not going to be thought here. I am not going to be in contrary. I'm not going to oppose God, let alone oppose my own self. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when you think about that, let's look at, uh, let's look at Romans. Uh, uh, not Romans, let's look at Colossians. Colossians is another good book to, to look at. Paul wrote these books. Paul had some amazing, amazing revelation. Uh, the Apostle Paul. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, and it says this here. It's a good scripture. One of the ways that resistance is in there and it keeps us from allowing what needs to be received to be planted in our heart is this. Paul said this and Jesus said this. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of heaven. What is the leaven? Leaven is, is like yeast. It, 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 it causes the lump uh, to spread, to, 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 to go. And so the leaven is is their their ideology their thought their theology the religious leaders is that's a religious spirit the uh, herod was the was the political spirit so he was telling you beware of the political spirit beware of the leaven of the religious because they have their theology they have their ideology about life about things and if you mix that with the lump you have which is the word the lump you have is the word of god if you mix that, it will what? It will cause that which you have, uh, 
it'll it'll spread. It'll make the word of God not affect. Jesus told him, he says, your traditions, your 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 philosophies have made my word of none effect. Because why? People will follow you. People will adhere to you and say, well, because Bishop so-and-so or Apostle so-and-so or Prophet so-and-so said this or Pastor so-and-so said this, I got to do this. I know people who follow people like that. But here's the thing. If that individual is not saying what the word is saying, you better stop following them. Paul said this, you follow me as I follow Christ Jesus. That's what Paul said. He said, follow me as I follow Christ Jesus. So that means you don't blindly follow Paul, trusting he's following Christ Jesus. You follow Paul with your eyes open. Watching Paul, looking at the fruit, reading the words yourself. Why? So that you can know when Paul's getting out of line. So you can pray for Paul. Amen? You don't blindly follow somebody. You got to get in there for yourself. And Paul said, you keep following me. As you see me follow Christ, you follow me. But when you don't see me following Christ, you don't follow me. And so, and so Colossians 2.18 says here, Paul says this, he says, beware unless any of you cheat, be cheated through what? Philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men. I'm going to read that again. Beware unless anyone cheat you through philosophies empty deceits according to the tradition of men's according to the basic principles of the world not according to christ so men have their philosophy man has their philosophy we or we heard in james they have their own wisdom they got their own ideology they got their own theology they got their own theory it's called evolution that's how they believe the world was created through the everlasting. they got a bunch of theories but here's the thing it's a theory and some people believe these theories to be true and those things cause the word of God to have no effect. So here comes truth coming in your receptor, coming into your receptance center to be received and be processed. And what is it being processed up against? The theory of evolution, not the word of God, the theory of evolution. And so according to this, because you believe this to be true, because it's planted here, whatever you're processing, uh, what you receive against is what you receive already to be true. Are you hearing me? And so because you believe evolution to be true, the word of God that said God created the heavens and the earth, you're not going to receive that. You're going to kick that out. That's going to be kicked out. I'm not receiving that. You're going to have a problem receiving it. You're like, man, that guy sound convincing. It sound right. Why am I not receiving this? Because you believe something else to be true. You believe something that man has told you. You believe something that you were told by your parents, what you learned in school that was not correct because why? School, I'm not saying school is bad, but you got to be careful because they're there to indoctrinate you. Why are they there to indoctrinate you? They want to indoctrinate you to what? To make you a part of the mechanism, their mechanism. So the kingdom of this world's got its own mechanism and they're allowing and they're building their people by what? Indoctrinating them to believe what they're supposed to believe so that you can walk in the mechanism. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so trying to walk in the kingdom of God with that doctrine, it's going to fight you every step of the way. It's going to oppose you. It's you are going, it's going to cause you to oppose God. Are you, you see what I'm saying? The fight that we have on a daily basis as people. Let's keep reading. The Bible says in a, the Bible says that the flesh is unwilling. Now, so when you look at the ground and you look at the ground, our ground needs to be tilled. Let's go to Hosea. Let's go to Hosea chapter 10, verse, uh, verse 12. 
Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. The book of Hosea that's in uh, right after Daniel in the Old Testament, chapter 10, verse 12. And it reads this. It says this, sow yourself righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness upon you. So he's telling you to break up that fallow ground. When you think of gardening, and those of you that have done gardening, when you break up the fallow ground in you, you are breaking up the ground so that you can plant a harvest, so you can plant good seeds, roses, uh, vegetables, fruits, whatever you want to plant. But you got to break up that fallow ground. you got to turn the soil so that it what? It can receive the seeds of life. So it can receive seeds and allow those seeds to take roots. So a lot of times when you're turning the soil and you're and you're getting that soil ready you got to pull some things out so when we look at the parable the parable of uh, uh and here uh, before we get there i want to say this because before we break up the foul ground this is what you were doing the bible says in verse 13 it says this you have plowed wickedness and have reaped iniquity you have eaten the fruits of lies because you trust in your own way and in the multitude of mighty men. This is what happens if you continue to embrace the philosophies and the traditions and the ideology and the theologies of this world, the wisdom of this world, you will plow wickedness, you will reap iniquity, you will eat the fruits of lies because you trust in your own way. The Bible says the way that seemeth right to a man, the end thereof is destruction. You cannot trust in you. No flesh is good. All flesh is grass, the Bible says. No flesh is good. Even on your best day, the Bible says your righteousness is filthy rags, is what the Bible says. We needed a savior to save us from ourselves, to bring us back to our place in God, to walk in total union with him. Amen? Are you guys grasping what I'm saying? But to break up your fallow ground, we got to break up that ground so that what? So that we can plant something. So here, let's turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I hope this is good. I hope this is good. I hope you guys are enjoying this. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 18. Um, it's uh, the story of the sowing. It says here in verse 18, Matthew 13, 18 says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes, snatches it away, what was sown into the heart. This is the seed that is sown by the wayside. But he that receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word immediately, receives it, receives it, yet he has no roots. Why? Because he's got stones there. He hasn't cleaned out that ground. When you're tilling the ground and you're turning that soil over, sometimes you got rocks in there. Sometimes you got different things in there. You got to get those stuff out. Sometimes you got bugs in there that like to like to eat the seed. So you got to get everything out that would hinder that seed from taking what? Root. You don't plant seeds for the purpose of planting seeds because uh, in the first in the first ground, if the uh, the parable said that some seeds fell by the wayside and the birds came by and needed. If seeds are sitting on top of the ground, you'll see birds come on your lawn and pick up out the seeds. Well, the birds in this story was representing of the enemy coming to steal God's word. Because why? Your ground is not tilled and it's there for him to steal. Or it's there for your flesh to oppose. Oh, we don't want to believe that. That's not true. Are you, are you grasping what I'm saying? So when you think about the next ground who has stones in it, you cannot grow anything in stones. You need to get them stones out of there because they will what? They will hinder 
the uh, they will hinder the nourishment. They will hinder that seed taking root. And guess what happens to that guy? The Bible says that here it says he received the word with joy, but yet has no roots in himself, but endures for a while. So he endured for a time. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word he received, immediately he stumbles. In another translation, it says he runs away. Why? That's why some people that you know that have been walking with the Lord that you thought was solid, they seem like they were joyous when they would hear the word, but they fall away when they come to persecution. Why? Because the word they have heard didn't take root in them. When you've got word that has roots in you, when you're rooted and grounded in him and life comes along and punch you in the face or circumstances happen, you're going to be steadfast and unmovable because you are rooted in him. When you're not rooted in him and your plant is malnourished, guess what? The, night, the, uh, uh, the, the biggest wind will come by and knock you over and you'll fall right over. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? So you need to allow the word of God to get in. You need to till that ground so that you can receive those seeds of life and let it uh, grow in you. Let's keep going. It says here, now he that received the seeds among the thorns is he who hears the word and, and the cares of this world and the deceitful riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Look at that. So again, this is a person who cares more about what's going on social media, what's going on, all the acronyms, Fox News, MSBN, they, 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 they adhere to those things. They care about those things. They care about the, 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 the cares of this world more than they care about the word of God. That means that their heart is not ready to receive the word. So the word won't even get to lay roots. It will be choked out by their own desires by their own wants, by what they want more than God. The Bible says in the last days, men will be lovers of God more than more. Men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. Men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So when you love something more than the creator, anything the creator says will not land on your heart and there will be no fruit from it. It's only that which you love is what you're going to run after, what your heart is open to. Amen. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Here's the thing. The Bible says he that receives a seed on the good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and he'll produce fruit 30, 1600 fold. You want to be the one that has that tilled ground that's ready to receive those words of life, because that's a difference of if if you receive it here and it's processed right it's going to land here when you till that ground what you're doing is you're getting everything that doesn't need to be there out of it that'll be contrary because if there's anything that's contrary to what you receive you it will not be planted here if you love anything more than you love the word of god if you love anything more than you love justice and truth if you love anything you love if you love anything if you love this world the bible says you're not a friend of god you can't love this world and love God. The way of this world, and what I mean by the world, I don't mean the earth. What I mean by the way of this world, what you've been saved from, the way the world operates, that this system of darkness that operates, that governs this world is what I'm talking about. 
The earth has he given to us to love. It's nothing wrong with to love the national parks and the trees and the, and the beaches and places like that. I'm talking about the system of the world, the spirit of the world. If you love that more than God, you are not a friend of God. That's just what it is plainly. And what you're going to love is who you're going to be servant to, is what the Bible says. And so how do we combat that? How do we combat that? We combat, combat that through allowing our ground to be tilled. How do we till that ground? Through the word of God. The word of God is there to till the ground. It is water to soften your heart. It is it is a hammer to smash. It is fire to burn away. You need the word of God to help renew your mind. Another way, Jesus told them in Matthew 26. Let's turn to Matthew 26 real quick. Matthew 26, I'll be getting in verse 36. And this is Jesus. Now I'm gonna show you something this is this happened to Jesus. So those that think that, uh, oh, yeah, well, this can never happen to me. Oh, yeah, it does. It has happened to you. And, and it has also happened to Jesus. But the only difference between you and Jesus is that Jesus was never uh, sinful. He was never broken. But yet the flesh wanted to what? Oppose not only him, but oppose God. Let's we're going to read that verse Matthew 26. Verse 30, verse 36, Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, and it reads, and it says, then he said to them, this is after they've taken a Passover, this is him and the disciples, and he's taken James, John, and Peter to go with him to go pray. And it says here, it says, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. So he went a little further, fell on his face, and he prayed, and he said, oh, father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That's his flesh. He's a son of man saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to do this. But what does he say? But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. His spirit was stronger because why? He lived the righteous life. For us, that might be a battle for us. I'm almost certain it would be a battle for us. Why? Because we were not perfect like him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But yet, even though he was perfect, his body, his flesh was opposing the will of God. Because why? Well, how did he have that? Because he got it from he got it from Mary. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He had flesh just like us. And his flesh, only thing his flesh was not sinful. He never committed any sin. He was a, a lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. But yet, his body still wanted to do what it wanted to do because why? It needed to be redeemed. It still needed to be redeemed. So let's keep going. And it says here, and so Jesus said this, and then he said, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said, Peter, what? Could you not watch for an hour? Watch and pray. So we are to watch and pray. We are to be sober-minded, vigilant. That's what it means to watch and pray unless you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. Willing to what? Willing to do the will of God. But the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak to whatever it wants. So how do we defeat? How do we bring that flesh? By prayer. So we see by the word, fellowshipping in the word, and prayer. Being sober-minded. What does sober-minded mean? Meaning you're governing, you're guarding your heart. You're mindful of what's going in. 
because if that goes in, that's what's going to come out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you're guarding your heart because out of it are the issues of life. The reason why the word of God needs to get to your heart, the reason why it wasn't enough for it to be placed in his head, to be written in our, to, to be put in our heads, and it needed to be written in our hearts because your heart is what dictates your decisions, your behaviors, how you conduct yourself, how you do things, how you go about your life. If you have the wrong things that are in your heart, it's going to lead you astray to into things that you shouldn't be doing. But when you got the right things in your heart, it's going to lead you to the right things of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so Jesus goes on and says again, and again, a second time he went and prayed away and said, oh, my father, if this cup could pass away from me, never, uh, unless I drink it, let your will be done. And so we see here in, in the story, in this story of uh, God consuming, Jesus is travailing. He is praying because his flesh does not want to obey God. It does not want to yield to him. But Jesus said, nevertheless, let your will be done. Because why? His spirit was stronger. He loved God more. His allegiance, his tie, his, his, his covenant was with the most high. So wherever you align yourself with is what you're going to be servant to. And that's what he did. He said, nevertheless, even though I feel like this, even though my flesh feels like this, I'm going to do what you've given me to do. Are you, are you, are you seeing that? So if that happened to Jesus. No man on this earth can say it doesn't happen to them, especially a saint. I'm fine. I'm, I'm the right. No, you, yes, we are the righteousness of God. But we got to say yes daily because this flesh does not want to do what God wants it to do. So what do we do through our allegiance, through our through the spirit? We we tell the flesh what it's going to do because why of what Jesus did? We can do that. Another way to bring that flesh under subjection. Matthew uh, Isaiah 58. Is this not the fast that I've called to break the bands of wickedness? That fast will break the bands of wickedness. That fast will break the bands of wickedness. It will destroy the bands of wickedness. So when you think of the word, the word tilling the ground of your heart, tilling it, preparing it, getting it ready, getting all the rocks and stuff out of there, getting all the, the, the lies and, and, the, and, the, um, and the iniquity and the wickedness out so that what? Seeds of life can get in there. Then it's prayer that what? The more you pray and and you are sober minded, it's going to keep that flesh under subjection. Your spirit is going to be stronger because the Bible says when you pray in Jude, it says when you pray in your most holy faith, when you're praying in the spirit, you're building yourself in your most holy faith. So your faith is built by praying in the spirit. The more you pray in the spirit, the more you pray, you're praying the will of God. But your faith as a result of you praying in the spirit is being built up. Your faith is built when the word of God is not just heard, it's revealed. Your faith is built. And the final way is when you fast. When you fast and you deny yourself, when you crucify that flesh, you are strengthening yourself to break the bands of wickedness. And that's Isaiah 58, 5 through 12. You can read it on your own. But tonight we talked about opposing oneself. We think it's always the enemy. A lot of times it's you opposing yourself. 
It's your flesh opposing yourself. It's your flesh that has a voice. Your discernment, when you're discernment, using the spirit of discernment, the gift of discernment, excuse me, not the spirit of discernment, but the gift of discernment, the gift of discernment is helping you to discern what's flesh. Because your flesh has a voice, your flesh has a, has a spirit to discern. What's God, the spirit of God, Holy Spirit, and what's the devil? Because he has a spirit, it's demonic. So when you fellowship in the word, when you're praying and keeping your mind sober, and to keep your mind sober is to be mindful what's going in. Keep your mind clean, then you can soberly watch, you can vigilantly watch with like the, the eagle eye, seeing the devil from, from miles away. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the fasting, bringing everything in alignment will allow you and bring you into oneness because that's what God said. The Lord's plan was that we would be reconciled to him. He said, Father, in, in, in John 17, he said this, and I'm landing the plane. He said this, he said, he said, Father, he said, I pray that they would be one like you and I. Or it should read, Father, I pray that man would be one like they used to be when they were in the beginning. Because in the beginning, in Genesis 1.26, he says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Well, the likeness of the Godhead was Father, Son, and Spirit, and they were all one. They were in oneness. They didn't oppose one another. They walked in union. So man was created in union. His spirit, soul, and body was in union. His conscious, his subconscious, and his unconscious subconscious mind was in union. Oneness. It was after the fall that everything got fragmented. That's what the scripture means. When the spirit of the Lord has, shall come upon me and has anointed me, what? To mend the what? Broken heart. To mend that that is fragmented. To bring you back into union. That's what Jesus did for us. And that's what he's doing daily. As we say yes, he is bringing us back into union. So I just want you to understand that. I want you to get that. So a lot of times when you're blaming the devil, I'm not saying the devil doesn't exist. I'm not saying he doesn't have demons. But when you're blaming the devil, your biggest fight isn't the enemy. Your biggest fight is you. Because you know the knowledge. You have, your flesh understands the knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says the, the, the heart of man is, is desperately wicked. So that's the nature you're bringing under subjection when you come to Christ. That's why we need his grace. That's why we need the word. That's why we need to stay in prayer. That's why we need to fast. Because why? We want to become one with Christ. We want to move in oneness with Christ Jesus. And that means you have to surrender your way. Because the way that seemeth right to a man, the end of its destruction. But the way, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, that what? Leads to life. His way is true and it leads to life and that more abundantly. But our way leads to destruction because of the sin nature. Amen. So, Father, I just pray. My prayer is the same prayer that Jesus prayed. That, Father, that they would be one, that they would be in union like Father, Son, and Spirit. That they would be in union with Christ Jesus, just as Jesus is one with the Father that they would no longer walk 
in fragment or walk in pieces or walk in brokenness, that they would surrender and allow the Lord to take them through the process of healing, that they would allow the one who can deliver, who can heal, who came to save them, to bring them into healing, wholeness, and oneness with him. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that they would surrender, that they would allow God's will to be done through their lives. That they would not be agents for the flesh, but they would be agents for the spirit. That they would they are ambassadors, ambassadors of the kingdom. And that, Father Lord, that they would surrender their will or that they would commit their ways unto you and you're going to bring those things to pass. Father, I pray that they would trust you I pray that they would uh, allow you to do surgery on their heart and bring their heart into oneness. And I pray that when they find their flesh wanting to oppose them or oppose the things of God, they would stand for the things of God and tell that flesh to get in line. I plead the blood over them, over their spirit, soul, and body, and I just come, I speak the oneness I speak the union that Jesus was talking about in John 17. We bless you and I bless them right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you, everybody. Blessings. Yeah.